Where am I going? What is the purpose of my life? Will I ever discover who I am? Welcome to Sit at My Table. Hey, Andrew, how are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Uh, doing good. Doing good. Excited uh, to have you on the podcast. I've been uh, reading up and seeing a lot of your guys' posts and stuff, so I'm uh, I'm excited to have you on and talk about what you guys are doing. Heck yeah. Happy happy to be here. Thanks for, for including us. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, let's get right into it. This is Sit at My Table. Essentially, what we do here is bring inspiring people, uh, in this case, you, onto the show uh, who uh, we just kind of talk about a little bit of your story, um, some, you know, some of your personal wisdom. And of course, we also want to get into Arbor Youth Services here in Lexington, Kentucky, so we can learn a little bit more about uh, what you guys are doing there. So if you don't mind, go ahead and introduce yourself uh, and tell us uh, who you are and what you do. You bet. Well, my name is Andrew Shade. I grew up in Lexington, Kentucky, and I uh, got started in nonprofit work here, oh gosh, 17 or 18 years ago. I uh, moved away for a period of time, worked at a nonprofit in Dayton, Ohio for about six or seven years, and then in Portland, Oregon for, I was there for about wow. eight years. Uh, but luckily, I got a chance to move back here. Uh, my family is all still here, my parents and my young nieces and nephews. And so I came back to Lexington, and now I've been with Arbor Youth for uh, just about a year and a half or so. And uh, it's, it's been great so far. I've, I've literally loved my job. So I'm a lucky guy. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So uh, in your, you said you've been doing nonprofit for how many years? Uh, 17 or 18. So wow. Long time. Yeah. And yeah. <clears throat> is that something that you kind of always knew you wanted to do or what kind of got you into working for nonprofits? Um, well, I kind of kind of a weird story, I guess. If we go back to the beginning of my professional career, I was in college for uh, journalism and broadcasting. I wanted to go into TV news reporting, and um, had to sit out my part of my junior year because I was cast on reality television, of all things. And <laughs> during, that, during that time, when I got back before I could start school again, I ended up getting a job just because I needed to work and make some money at a nonprofit here in Lexington. And fell in love with it, and I have been a nonprofit ever since, and never looked back. Wow! So things took a different direction than you right. planned. It seems like that uh, happens often. We always set out on a course, but it's it's funny. It's like one thing. So, like my kind of stepping stone, it was uh, I tried to join the army, and I did. I was in for three and a half years, but it didn't really go the direction I wanted. But it seemed like I learned something from that experience or from the challenge that's carried me through the rest of my life. It was, you know, it was the goal, but it turned into just a stepping stone. So that happens quite often. Yeah. Um, the adventure. Right. Right. So uh, tell us if you don't mind, just tell us a little bit about kind of like your story, your background. Um, you know, what do you, what is it that you see occurring in the nonprofits that kind of keeps you going? Um, what challenges have you faced and do you face, you know, just those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's a lot of questions all at once. Let me think. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I fell in love with nonprofit. I feel like I grew up a lucky guy. I've always had a supportive family. Um, I've had my health. I've had great experiences. I've just been blessed in a lot of ways. Um, and I noticed that 
uh, not everyone had that. Not everyone had the lucky break that I got, the privilege that I had. And so I thought that is just where my heart was calling me to be, was to be in any kind of role that helped other people um, that may not have had an easy of a break as I had. So that's kind of why I stayed with it. Um, I started at Manchester Center, which was on Manchester Street, which is now, um, it was the roughest part of town, and now it's the hip, cool distillery district in Lexington. (laughs) So that has changed since uh, my time away. So I started a nonprofit there, uh, working with youth um, as youth development coordinator. So I kind of oversaw the youth programming after school and summer programs. We also had two preschool classes there. And I just loved it. Kids are hysterical. They crack me up. I love their energy. Um, so youth has always just been kind of a calling for me. Uh, when I moved to Dayton, Ohio, it was an opportunity to work at a different type of nonprofit. And I worked in HIV AIDS um, and did testing and counseling and prevention education and uh, was there for many, many years and moved to Portland, Oregon and uh, was at an HIV organization there where I really moved into development, uh, kind of the behind the scenes side of nonprofit, which is fundraising and marketing and getting your name out there, writing grants, all the stuff that it takes a nonprofit um, to do to make sure that they can pay their bills and stay open. Um, So I've been in nonprofit work now for um, almost 10 of those years and kind of see it from a very different side. But when I moved back here and started at Arbor Youth Services, I just fell in love because I was back around kids again. They cracked me up, um, but I'm also still kind of the role behind the curtain, so to speak, Uh, writing grants and doing our social media and talking with big donors and uh, making sure that our staff that run our programs have the funding to do that and so that we can afford groceries for the kids and um, any needs that arise, make sure that we can pay for the gas to drive them to and from their schools while they stay with us. And uh, so I'm kind of kind of in that role Um, and I love it, but I still get to interface with the clients and, and the kids and say hi and laugh and be silly and um, but also feel like I'm helping from a different side of it all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh. so at Arbor Youth Services, um, what's uh, what, what is the primary focus? I mean, I know it's kind of in the name youth services, but what does that mean mm-hmm. to Arbor Youth Services? Yeah. Yeah. So basically we are an emergency shelter or almost like a homeless shelter for kids. Um, we have two houses and uh, they're not just a few blocks from Rupp Arena here in central Kentucky. Um, But in one of those houses, we provide um, lodging and care for kids that are newborn babies all the way through age 17. And those kids come to stay with us for a million different reasons. They may have been abused at home. Um, We've had kids that have been abandoned, that have been left on our front doorstep. We've had runaway youth. Uh, We've had kids that are between foster care stays, and they may not have a placement at that time, so they'll stay with us for a little bit. Uh, We've had parents who were evicted from their home and were living in their car so we kept their kids while that that parent um, found their footing again so there's literally I could probably sit here and name 200 reasons why a kid would need to stay with us Um, and we've seen every kind of story you could imagine and kids may stay with us for one night they may stay with us for two months every story is completely different and we work with their family uh, their community uh, legal us people if that is entailed in their story uh uh, the state um will bring all the entities together anyone that needs to come together to make sure that this kid when they leave our care that they're going somewhere uh safe in the house next door 
to that where our little kids stay. Um, we have our outreach center, which is um, where homeless 18 to 24 year olds can come in. They don't stay or live on the uh, property with us, but they can drop in during the days. And uh, a lot of them live under bridges or in tents um, or homeless elsewhere. And but they can come into our facility and take a shower, wash their clothes, cook a meal. And our staff works with them one on one on things like obtaining an ID so they can get a job, writing a resume, learning job interview skills, or basically whatever that that individual youth needs. And a lot of those 18 to 24 year olds have been disowned from family um, or have had other, you know, kind of tough breaks. And so we try to be that that stand in support system when they have nobody else. Um, so it's our, our end goal is to end youth homelessness. Uh, and that just means that anytime a youth is homeless, they immediately have resources somewhere safe to stay and uh, uh, all their uh, necessities uh, and immediate basic needs met. Right, man, that's, that's really awesome. That's uh, so what kind of got me interested in talking with you and learning more about Arthur, Arbor Youth Services. Um, I, came across a statistic that really surprised me in that the state of Kentucky is number one in substantiated cases of child abuse mm-hmm. and in the, in the entire nation. And that really, um, that, I mean, that blew me away, to be honest. I would have never suspected that a place with so much, you know, church, so much, uh, you know, family value that, you know, so to speak that that will be the case, but I'm just curious, um, to get kind of your perspective on what, what do you see as the root behind the homelessness and just the cases that you get? Like, what do you see as kind of creating this problem? Because, I mean, you said, you know, it's your goal to end this, uh, this child homelessness. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what do we have to do to end it? You know, what is the, what's the vision? Yeah. Um, well, to the child abuse, I mean, I think a lot of that um, corresponds with education I don't know that these statistics off the top of my head, but I would wager just about everything. If you look up the states that have the lowest um, uh, level of education success, um, those are also going to be the states with the highest child abuse. Um, when parents uh, don't have pop- proper training on what to do in tough circumstances with kids, um, that sort of thing, um, those things intermingle. Um, so we want to make sure that any parent uh, understands proper ways to teach um, and even to to punish, if you want to use that word, um, a, a child when they're misbehaving. And certainly abuse is never, ever the proper choice. Um, so my guess is that education level probably play, play, plays into it. Um, and uh, I think that's something that we as a state and the entire nation could do better is uh, uh, having more education uh, resources available for parents to, to learn and be prepared for what's coming when they actually have the kids. Um, you had a follow-up question on that and it was, I forgot. What oh, I uh, well, I mean, we can just kind of, I don't know. It's unscripted. Yeah. I, I don't really write anything down. So we could, <laughs> uh, we could just kind of roll from yeah. that. Well, uh, Given those circumstances, like what what kind of challenges do you face now with the the youth that's in your care? What kind of uh, things is Arbor Youth Services dealing with on a daily basis that pose uh, the greatest issue? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I mean, 
luckily, since we've been around for 44 years, um, we have great connections in the community. So when we have youth with different needs, if it's something that we don't necessarily um, a program or a need that we don't meet, we know the, the folks in, in uh, our community that do. So we um, will bring in, in folks from other nonprofits to make sure that this family is taken care of and helped as best they, they can be. So we have great relationships here. That goes a long way um, when nonprofits work together. That's not the case in every city, but it definitely is here, um, which we're super thankful about. Um, you know, one of the big things with every nonprofit is making sure that we continue to make enough money to stay open. Um, we also have to pay our bills and pay our small, tiny staff and make sure that all the kids have groceries uh, brought, to, you know, th that we pick up and bring to our house because we cook all their meals. Um, make sure that we have the, the funds to get supplies. Kids have unique needs when they show up. Sometimes kids will show up to us in the middle of the night brought to us by a police officer and the kid will have nothing but their pajamas that they're wearing. And so we need to make sure that we can get diapers and coats and tennis shoes or whatever it is that that youth is going to need uh, to cover them during their time with us. Uh, and donations, that sort of thing goes to cover all those kind of uh, last minute important needs that these kids have. Um, since we're in two little houses, we can't just backstock um, every size clothes for every kid, um, newborn babies through age 17. We just don't have room to store it. So a lot of our donations go to like, okay, we have uh, this kid. They wear a three Todd 3T t-shirt and this size shoe and we can rush right out and get the things that they need. So donors help keep us alive and, and donations help uh, our kids every, literally every day. Um, I always tell people there's several ways that anyone can get involved with Arbor Youth and helping these kids um, that have been abused and ab abandoned. Um, and those ways, of course, are donating, uh, which is easy to do through our website. Uh, a free way to support us is by following us on social media and sharing our posts. The more people that know about us, the more people will refer kids. If they see a kid in trouble, they'll know where who to call. Um, it helps us get new donors. More people will see it if you're posting it out there. Um, and uh, just more community awareness. Just let everyone know. I'm, I'm out in the city a lot and talk about our youth. People are like, never heard of it. What is that? And I'm like, we should all know what this is so that when we need mm -hmm. to find a kid that's, that's in a tough predicament, that we know who to call and where to send them uh, for help. Um, so just kind of helping us spread the word. And then people will bring in supplies, uh, things that we need at that time. On social media, we often put out a call. Uh, we'll be like, hey, you know what? We had two teenagers come in today and they need pens and spiral notebooks for their school or they need a coat or they need whatever. And people will say, hey, you know what? I'm off, I'm off work today. I'll run to, to Target or Walmart and grab those things and I'll bring them by. Um, so that is a great way to support us. Again, we don't have tons of storage. So some people like, you know what? I'll bring you 42 pallets of toothpaste. So we're like, we have nowhere to put it. So just wait until we, we kind of put that call out. And then if you have, have the capability to do so, uh, help us out. Uh, we, we're houses. We have kids. We're just like everyone's house at home that has kids. We need cleaning supplies and trash bags and paper towels and food and 
uh, all that kind of stuff. And of course, like just about every nonprofit, we survive off the kindness of volunteers. Our volunteers will come in and do anything from play board games with the kids to uh, help us cook meals, uh, even lawn care, just mowing the grass and making sure that our facility stays pretty. So when a kid comes to us, at least they feel like they're in a nice, clean, safe environment. So there's kind of roles for just about everyone. Currently, because of of the way the world is now with COVID-19, we're not using volunteers because we have to be exceptionally extra cautious and make sure that um, all of the kids in our shelters stay healthy. So um, we're only allowing frontline staff in the building and the youth themselves. We're checking their staff and youth temperature every uh, four hours. And we have this whole protocol now um, because of COVID-19 that we've had to kind of address. So what has been amazing is people that have been volunteering recent or uh, donating recently, they understand that and they'll drop off supplies and they'll knock on the door and leave it on the front porch or give us a call. Hey, I left y'all, um, you know, donuts or whatever on, on your front porch today. And that's amazing. Generally, we like to invite people that donate inside and give them high fives and hugs and laugh and show them around. It's just a different time in the world right now. So um, we appreciate everyone being so understanding that, that we can't invite anyone in during this time, but hopefully the world gets, gets better and uh, we can go back to that. Cause I love giving tours of Arbor Youth, showing people around and showing people exactly what we do. We try to be the most open door nonprofit out there. Transparent as could be, we want people to know exactly what we do. Um. So, and I, just let me know if I ask a question that you can't answer or something mm-hmm. like that, because I'm not, you know, familiar with the boundaries, I guess you could say. But what, what do you guys typically have to raise in a year just to provide the necessities and basics to take care of the kids that you get? Mm-hmm. Currently, our budget is at, a, is at about a million dollars, um, and that covers our bills, our staff, um, our facility needs things that break and need to be replaced um uh, groceries for the kids clothing needs uh on and on and on literally everything you could imagine that we need to stay open um is is about that much um we don't charge our youth or their families one penny uh ever uh all of our services for for youth are free always uh which means we have to raise the entire budget Um, so we do that through federal grants. We do it through local grants, um, uh, businesses that donate. We do fundraising events. Of course, we have people that donate through our website. We have monthly givers, people that will, you know, donate $5 a month off their credit card or $20 a month off their card. We have folks that do that. Uh, so there's a a bunch of ways that we kind of gather, you know, that funding to stay open, to keep our doors open and, um, it, it takes a village. It was once said, and that is definitely true around Arbor youth, uh, keeping us, uh, afloat and, uh, that, right. that need grows. The more kids we see each year, um, the more funding that we have to raise, uh, just to, to, to keep us rolling. So we survive off the kindness of strangers. Right. Yeah. That's, a. Uh, uh, how many, what is your guys' capacity? Uh, how many kids do you house in, max, like, at a time? Yeah, in our shelter for little kids, uh, the newborns through age 17, we can sleep up to 12. Um, we have bunk beds in our bedrooms upstairs. And uh, next door in our outreach center, um, we will have as many homeless uh, youth 
come in during the day as need be. We may see five. We could see 40 in a day. Every day is different. We have noticed that when the weather is bad, cold or rainy, um, we actually get really busy because homeless youth, it's, it's hard to be outside in the elements. Uh, so those days usually are pretty hopping and we'll have more folks in to, to stay dry or warm and uh, get some food in their belly and uh, make sure that they're healthy and safe. Uh, we have volunteers that come in, one great volunteer role, um, and they'll bring in a meal. Uh, always on Fridays, we try to because the youth know that that's kind of a lunch day and they can come in and get something special. And so we have nice folks from around the community uh, make lunch and bring that in. Um, and we sure love that. And that's range everywhere from hot dogs to hamburgers and salads and <laughs> lasagna and all the good stuff. Um, a lot of our right. a lot of our folks are young. Um, I remember when I was 18 to 24, a long time ago, and I all I ate was Taco Bell ramen and Doritos. And so a, <laughs> yeah. lot, a lot of our young people eat the same way. And we try to encourage them to uh, eat healthier. And so uh, our staff teach them cooking classes uh, to teach some of the, the basics. Um, I know just the, the other day they learned how to do tomato soup and grilled cheese. What seems like so simple for many of us, a lot of these kids haven't had good relationships with their families or their parents in many, many years, which means a lot of them have missed out on some of these basic life skills. Uh, so we try to teach them some of those basic things, and it just kind of turns into a fun afternoon of cooking and laughing and eating, uh, and uh, a lot of volunteers make that in particular happen. Right. In in the Lexington area, and you might not know this off the top of your head, but do you have an approximation on how many homeless youth there are in the just kind of in the vicinity, Fayette County or generally that area? Um, you know, I have access to that number and I don't have it with me or in the top of my head. So I don't want to I don't want to guess and get it wrong. Um, but it's too many. <laughs> uh, any homeless youth is right. too many. So uh, and, and we definitely stay busy year round. Um, and we're the only uh shelter of our kind really in all of central Kentucky and most child shelters don't take kids under the age of eight at all. Um, so one of the very few, if not the only in the state of Kentucky that do, we have kids that are brought to us from all over the state. We never turn a kid away based on where they're from. Um, uh, so that's, that's important to us. Kids are never denied services and uh, that's why we see kids from all over. Sometimes if another shelter in another city, Louisville or nor Northern Kentucky is full, uh, sometimes folks will drive them down to us and we can be a backup and vice versa. And do you guys ever have to turn youth away? The only time we've ever, we ever turn youth away is if we feel like they will be a danger to our staff or the other youth. Um, it is super rare. Um, I can think of maybe one or two circumstances uh, in the last couple of years, and that is when a youth has threatened violence against themselves, their families, other kids, like threatened to hurt or kill other people, uh, in which point we try to evaluate, is this a true threat? Um, but um, that's something that, that we're unable to do. But we will play the middle middle person and connect them with services where they should be uh going and often uh if not every single time that's going to be a, a mental health uh, a facility in the mental health realm right right um well in regards to mental health and this is uh 
And, uh, you know, what, like I said before, if it's a question you're not unsure of or you don't want to answer or anything like that, that's perfectly fine. Um, but I just wanted to get some, I mean, you've been in the industry, or I call it an industry, but you've <laughs> sure. been a part of nonprofits for a long time. You've seen a lot of different angles of life and where people come from. And nowadays, um, and I think even the month of May is technically Mental Health Awareness mm-hmm. Month. I don't know. It seems like every day is a new holiday or something. I don't know. But, uh, you know, mental health is becoming more people are becoming more aware and accepting the realities of mental health and what they mean and what they look like. And mm-hmm. I'm just curious from your uh, perspective, what kind of wisdom or, uh, you know, advice can you give to people who, you know, maybe their situation isn't so dire that they end up at Arbor Youth Services, but maybe they're in a situation that isn't, isn't exactly easy. Uh, you know, what kind of advice do you have for uh, people in those situations, someone who might mm-hmm. um, find themselves? difficult time well i mean i think as far as a provider or as a family member or friend of someone with mental health issues i think the first step is learning what that is and what that means um and but then a lot of people stop there and that's where they make a mistake if i'm working with someone with bipolar disorder if i learn what bipolar disorder is and i'm like okay now i'm aware now i understand why they respond or they behave in a certain way most people stop there that's that's kind of an error what we need to do is go one step further and learn how do I respond to someone um, during this time in the best supportive uh, way. Um, and I think that's, that's just kind of, kind of the key. We have the most amazing staff who are far more knowledgeable and trained than I am as just, that's just <laughs> yeah. the fundraiser guy. Um, but they know they, they spot these, these signals um, in youth, even youth j- just come through the door for the first time, they're able to identify those um, and they're patient and kind and, uh, and are so, I mean, you have to be such a certain type of amazing person uh, uh, sometimes because that can get really, really difficult and really frustrating. Um, but our staff is prepared for that and, and knows how to deal with those circumstances, those situations and, and um, people that are facing that. So uh, I, I think it really just takes a lot of a knowledge. You know, we're always um, hoping people uh, learn more and, and understand it more. But I think that's the reason a lot of families uh, disconnect from their kids uh, or abandon or kick them out uh, because they don't understand what's going on with that, with that particular youth. And uh, eventually it breaks that relationship, which is terrible. Right. It, it kind of goes back to what you touched on before getting educated is, is, you know, it's always the first step mm-hmm. to anything you do, you know, you want to accumulate understanding. Yeah. So that's uh that's good. Uh, so in regards to, so what happens you have like a child that, turns because you said through age 18 is when you actually house them um, they, is that right or was it 17 through age 17 so the day you know before their 18th birthday then they're an officially a legal adult um if we had a youth staying with us at that point and we didn't have a what we call a safe exit plan or are they going back to their family or are they going to go live with their aunt or their grandma or whatever if we didn't have some other plan then we would immediately start working to get them into our housing program, uh, which is the house next door, our 18 to 24 year olds. Um, and sometimes we can prepare ahead of time and have the paperwork filled out. So that the day they turn 18, we can submit it and make sure that they don't have a period of homelessness 
between 17 and their 18th birthday. Um, that's kind of how you mentioned, how do we end youth homelessness? We'll never end kids that get kicked out of their houses. We'll never end kids that run away or kids that have to get pulled from their home for a variety of reasons. That's not what we're aiming to do. Ending youth homelessness is making it sure that the second a kid becomes uh, kicked out of their house or whatever the circumstances, that there is somewhere to go, uh, which would be to us. We can immediately get them into housing and so that they don't have to spend a single night, any kid ever on the street. Right. That's, I mean, I, uh, I know, um, so growing up, my dad worked in a few facilities of his own, and I know it was just always difficult to see kids, what they refer to as like aging out of whatever system, you know, foster care or like a system like this. And I've seen a lot of people, like even in my hometown that were in that, and it seemed that they did really well, but once they lose that support base, you know, it, it can become, I mean, it, it's challenging for anybody. Yeah. Anyone who loses a support base, whether you've gone through these things that these kids deal with or not, it's tough. But especially when you're fighting these battles and then you lose that. I mean, yeah. I, I'm sure that speed is is of the essence and making sure that it's a fluid transition, you know, that there's no hiccups or hangups that give space for those, you know, monsters in the closet to to get a hold in. Uh, yeah you know, change course. Absolutely. So. It's one of the things that I love about working with youth is uh, even our 18 to 24 year olds who are currently homeless and in dire straits, but they're still hopeful. They still have a hope and a dream. They want to become a chef or a writer or a cook or, or a whatever. They, they still, every time I talk to them, um, they're still like, yeah, I'm working on this. I'm getting my GED or whatever. They still have this hope. They do not want to be homeless and uh, they want things to get better. Um, studies show that if an adult uh, has been homeless for many, many years, uh, the success rate of getting them to get off the streets and become self-sustaining in their own housing is, is tiny. Um, it's, it's a shame, honestly. There's something about the mindset when you get stuck into that cycle of homelessness, it's nearly impossible to get out. So you're, you said the perfect line a second ago, timing is of the essence. Uh, something along those lines. And um, it's so true. Uh, we need to make sure that we break the cycle of homelessness before it begins. Uh, and that's why I always urge people to support these youth. There's so many life lessons. We talked about making grilled cheeses earlier, um, but there's so many life lessons right. that, that youth continue to learn from their family or guardian uh, as they age, important lessons to, to, to that they'll live by forever. Um, and when that relationship is strained or broken from, from their support systems, they're going to start learning their lessons from the streets, uh, which could be from any variety of unhealthy sources. Uh, so we try to make sure that they know that we're a safe place to talk, to learn, um, and to figure out um, their next best, best step, whether it's writing a resume or learning how to cook a grilled cheese. Um, we're going to try to continue to be that um, extended family, uh, if you will, um, until they say, I'm good. You know, I'm ready to ready to fly. I can do this on my own now. Right. That that personal empowerment, that's uh, I had gotten involved uh, in. Uh, I don't know, I guess you could call them the, like charity programs and stuff like that. And that was something that's one thing that kind of drew me to what you guys do is I see a lot of programs are geared towards charity without empowerment. And that to me is 
it just denigrates the the person behind the charity. You know, that's uh, it doesn't elevate them. And the more people I talked to and told me about what you guys do at Arbor Youth Services, I, I just got excited that somewhere like that existed here where I'm at. And like mm-hmm. you said, you're one of the only kind, uh, only ones of your kind in the state. Mm-hmm. So I'm really glad that I got to talk to you, got to highlight this. Um, you have any projections on when um, things might be opening back up for you where volunteers can come in or, uh, you know, uh, is it still kind of up in the air. Yeah, it is definitely still up in the air. Now we've never closed our doors, never closed for youth during this whole pandemic. Um, we are an essential service. We are a life saving service. So we've uh, not stopped working now. Our staff that's not frontline, they've been working from home. Uh, so only our staff that work directly with the youth are there. Um, but we're just kind of waiting to see. I know things are starting to open um, around the state, um, but those are under healthy guidelines that we've already been, been using for two months. Uh, so we're kind of, the state has caught up to us where we are, um, open as few staff as needed, social distancing, masks, gloves, check temperatures. Um, We've been doing that all along. We'll continue to do that until we get more word um, on the next steps, which my guess is, um, I I don't even want to guess because I have no idea, but I will say we'll do any damn thing we need to do to make sure that our kids stay healthy. Yeah, that's, that's good. I'm I'm glad that uh, we were able to talk about it. Um, I saw on your page that you guys have a, a donation match going on right now. Is that still current? We do, yep. It's uh, really going this, this whole week. Um, we have a, a small uh, local business that just called us and said, you know what, I have $3,500 uh, match. If you, can get, if you can raise that much, I'll write you a check for this whole amount. So anyone that donates this week, uh, really this whole week, um, it's going to go toward that match. Uh, so uh, we encourage everyone to give as you're able now. And you can find us at arborky.org. Um, or just search Arbor Youth Services on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. We're easy to find. That's right. It's the symbol with the tree, everyone yeah, who's it. listening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, Andrew, I'm uh, glad we had you on. Uh, we're going to get make sure we tag all your social media yeah. and everything when we put the episode up. Um, I always just like to end every show with the guests just kind of giving their personal mantra of hope there you know their one little message what do you what do you want to say to the people this you know um people that know me on a personal level outside of work i'm a superhero fan i love everything superhero marvel movies captain america is my favorite and i feel like as a grown man an adult and all of y'all listening we have the ability to actually be superheroes and help those that are smaller than us and uh, arbor youth is definitely a way that you can be a superhero today by donating your time your talent uh, money um, or services and so I I plead with all y'all to follow us on social media keep up to date with what's going on with us and find ways that that, uh, inspire you to help out awesome thanks for coming on the show Andrew I can't wait to share this can't wait to raise some awareness and I can't wait for uh, the day I can come and pitch in and uh, become a superhero myself. So thanks for coming on the show. Uh, It's been a blast. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. Have a good one. This has been another episode of Sit at My Table. 
As always, thank you for listening. You can find me at www.facebook.com backslash DC Wilson Speaks at DC Wilson Speaks on Instagram. As always, thank you for sitting at my table.